Side Hustle Show 234, live side hustle sales coaching. What do I do and who do I do it for? What's up, what's up? Nick Lober here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because some people run marathons in their spare time and other people run businesses. Hat tip to Julian Gordon for that one. If you want to submit your own because statement, your own why side hustle statement, you can send those by email to nick at sidehustlenation.com and you just might hear it on an upcoming episode. A little bit of a different show for you today. Instead of reverse engineering someone's business who's already seen a lot of success, we're going to take a live listen in on a coaching call I did, a sales coaching call I did with somebody who's in the thick of it, trying to figure out their next move and how to make their business work. That person is David Hutcherson. He calls himself a customer acquisition and retention strategist. And we're about to dive into what that really means, the clients he's worked with so far, and what he did for them. Now, I also invited Brendan Barrett from startinphoenix.com, startinphx.com to join me as kind of a co-host for this episode. So Brendan's got a background in civil engineering and construction sales. And on the side, he's a sales coach. He is helping early stage entrepreneurs improve their sales and offers lead generation and prospecting as a service. Excited to dive in and have him as kind of like the guest expert on uh, on this call with Dave. Now together, we're going to see if we can get Dave to nail down his value proposition and point him in the right direction to go hustle for some more clients. As you listen, put yourself in David's shoes and see if you can answer the questions that Brendan and I pose. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash 234. Before we dive in, let me take a moment to thank today's sponsor, which is designcrowd.com. Designcrowd is the crowdsourced design marketplace you can use for logos, for websites, business cards, t-shirts, you name it. It's the service that I use for the cover design of my latest book, Buy Buttons, where after submitting my design brief, saying which kind of book covers uh, that were out there that I already liked, I had a dozen different designers from all around the world competing for my business, which I thought was pretty sweet. Now, as a side hustle show listener, you can get up to $100 off your next design project at designcrowd.com slash hustle or when you use promo code hustle at checkout. Actually, if you hit up that URL designcrowd.com slash hustle, you should be able to see some of the rejected designs for buy buttons. It's kind of like walking down a parallel universe of what might have been. Now, I'm also excited to welcome a brand new sponsor to the show, and that's ZipRecruiter. So every entrepreneur eventually reaches the ceiling of what they can accomplish on their own before they need to hire some help. And when that time comes, or maybe you're already there, I want you to think of ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology lets you post your job to over 100 job sites in just one click. And this has always been my hiring strategy. Cast a wide net and help me find the most qualified candidates. And this is the best part. Right now, Side Hustle Show listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash side to get started today. My top takeaways from this chat with David and Brendan after the call. The first voice you'll hear is David explaining where his business is at today. Everything just kind of started from an email. I had a podcast and then I emailed some friends saying, hey, I can help you do some customer service work. And they said yes. And that was a great thing. And so from there, I got some referrals to do some community management work. And I was uh, the community manager for a couple of other launches and projects. And then I actually turned that into a pretty big gig working with Second City in their business development division. And I just did more consultant work. So in the beginning, I did a lot of freelance work, just doing whatever I can, helping out. And then I did a consultant gig with Second City and their product development. They're developing a new product. So I researched and made sure that they was fitting their customers. 
And so from that point, I learned that I loved more of the strategy, more of the consultant side of it, instead of actually doing a lot of the, the day-to-day nitty-gritty management of dealing with customers from the customer service to customer management. Did you have a background in customer service, like manning the call center or do, running like the live chat or email support or something like that? Yeah, yeah. So for the past 10 years, my all of my work experience has kind of always been around customer support okay. and sales and marketing. So that that's why it was actually an easy transition for me. And that's where I kind of led to the realization that I've always dealt with customers and been a front facing person with them. That I love customers and customers are the only thing that matter when it comes to running a business. Okay. So that's why I kind of decided that I want to pivot into. So this is kind of the customer acquisition and retention. Cause I, at the end of the day, if you don't have customers and you don't keep them, there's really <laughs> no point is really where I want to kind of pivot to. And so that's kind of where I'm at today. I want to get more into the strategy and consultant side and do less of the freelancing, actually doing the work of customer support and things of that nature. Okay. Okay. So the one client came from just kind of an email connection and it sounds like the other one, how did you get the second city gig? Referral again, just a referral. Okay. So once I started doing work, I tried to go for a bigger fish and my girlfriend happened to work there at the time. So she said, Hey, talk to this person. They do business stuff. And I was like, Hey, I do business stuff. And we had a conversation and it was really, and the funny thing about that is the work that I, I didn't pitch them anything. We just had a conversation. I found a hole and said, this is what I could do. And it kind of worked out. So that's also pretty unique too. I didn't go in there with any agenda. I just wanted to talk and see what opportunity were. Is there a target industry that you find is really in your wheelhouse? Like, Hey, these are the people that I want to serve. Well, I've only had four and out of the four, I wouldn't say, and they were kind of all over the place. So I don't say I have necessary enough to dictate which industry will work best for me. Basically, I would just love to work with anyone that ideally puts customers at the front of their you know, operation. Like they want to come more customer centric. So that was kind of the one through line, but that's kind of, you know, pretty. Okay. And what, and what's the marketing effort look like right now? Is there a website? Are you doing Facebook ads? Like what, what's, what are you doing proactively to get clients today? Yeah, right now, all I do, I am actually just going to what worked in the beginning. So I'm just reaching out to my network and trying to see if they need any assistance or outside of that, if they know of anyone who need any assistance. So it's a lot of one-on-one emailing, code emailing. Okay. Let's bring Brendan in. What's your What's your first thoughts, first reactions based on what Dave is saying? Yeah, I have a, a couple of questions. The first is, if you can talk about it, what is the basis of the product for Second City? What and what was the hole that they from that conversation that you were able to fill for them? Yeah, so they were going to launch a new. So they have like a corporate training division, mm-hmm. and so they're going to launch a new training. So my role was to actually go in there and talk to the customers before they launched the training, to make sure there was a need for it, and then to find out exactly what they wanted, uh, because I know that a lot of people launch ideas and products based off what they think is good. Mm-hmm. instead of actually talking to the market. So I actually conducted interviews with over 20 or so of their customers for about an hour long just to say, this is our idea. What are your pain points that you have around this area? How would you like to have that solution provided to you? And then compile that to a report and then return that to Second City for them to use in the development of the actual product. Okay. So Second City, my understanding is like a pretty famous kind of improv shop in, in Chicago. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, is there, there sounds like there might be a natural extension for similar businesses. Cause I mean, that's a, a pretty well-known name in the industry, right? Right. To do something similar for other theaters or other shops where it's like, your show doesn't start until, you know, six at night. What are you doing all day, right? There's, there's a business <laughs> customer that, that might be able to, you know, you take these improv skills and it's like a team building thing or, you know, however they pitched it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they did. I mean, cause they also, if I wanted to make it an, even a bigger bucket, it was just like corporate learning. So that's the market I could just find out. And yeah, there's a huge, <laughs> huge market in that. And it's people who are doing that or have a footprint in that. They themselves have a budget to for this outsourced researching effort. Their people have job descriptions and have probably too much on their plate as it is to start scoping out a new service, even though they they have a hot lead on it. That's time out of the day that they just don't have. So it, was that kind of the conversation you were having with Second City when you guys decided to work together? Yep, it's pretty much just like that. They they know it's important, one of those things, but don't have the time to necessarily put the effort in to find out. So that's where I kind of built that, that gap for them. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay. So let's circle back. What was the basis of the referral into Second City? Can you kind of peel back the layers of that conversation? What was the fit between you and the contact? And was it with that contact you made a conversation? You had this conversation or it was a couple couple levels up in second city yeah so it it was literally the contact was a friend of my girlfriend so Mm -hmm. she got me in the door just to sit down and literally the conversation was let's just talk business talk shop 
from there, she was high enough there to point me to someone in marketing. And then from there, they pointed me to the vice president of operations. So I had about three mm-hmm. conversations, each one kind of fleshing out the idea of how we could work together. And then the final person said, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Can you help us? And they kind of presented the idea of doing this research after a couple of conversations. Okay. What was the outcome of the research? Did they end up putting a program together or what What happened next? Yeah, so they released the program. The only thing that was a little upsetting about that is that they kind of released the program prior to the research being completed because they just had a deadline. And so they found it useful, but it was just kind of unsettling that they weren't able to implement as many of the suggestions that I was able to find from the customers. Okay. And so then after that, it just kind of, you know, I released the program and I asked, is there any other work we could do for actually like developing a program based off of the research and the ideas I got from your customers? And there weren't any opportunities to kind of go further from there. So I kind of just ended. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, the first thing that sticks out to me is training programs and the Chicago market has to have a ton of them (laughs) just locally. And then just to your north, you have Milwaukee, but I would imagine you could spend a good couple of years building a business just in Chicago and maybe you get work outside of it. This is a good market to be working in with folks where you don't have to travel all that far. I would be looking for ways to almost manufacture that referral mm-hmm. situation again. Some of the me coming up in sales, a lot of it was boots on the ground and dialing for dollars and sending out cold emails and and that works. But the whole objective in prospecting activity like that is to go from cold touch to warm contact as quickly as possible. And so if you can establish some source of middle ground or, or common ground, excuse me, you know the same people, the same people know, like, and trust each one of you, all of a sudden you've got a toe in the door instead of talking through a door. And you don't have to go through quite as many steps as you would to just get on their radar. When you're doing cold touches and cold emails and cold phone calls, it's six, seven, eight contacts before they're going to give you the time of day because you're just part of the white noise in their inbox, part of the white noise in their voicemail, part of you know every other guy who's walked into the office today and left a business card. So have you have you thought of different ways where you can manufacture those referral scenarios again? It sounds like you're reaching out to your network and you've reached out to your network before you've got other you've had up to four clients now? Yes. Okay. So let's step back. Second City sounds like the coolest client that you've worked with so far. And maybe that's why it's monopolized the conversation. What have the other clients that you've worked with look like so far? Oh yeah. So they've all been kind of in an entrepreneurial solopreneur kind of space mm-hmm. working with actual summits they were doing online summits so i would manage that project they were doing a launch of a uh information product and they want to have a community aspect of that so i oversaw that for a little bit so those are the other the other clients so there's like two two separate spectrums like one's kind of corporate one's more individual solopreneurs but all seem, I mean, you say launch of an info product, this summit, that was a virtual summit or an in-person event? Yes, a virtual summit. Yeah. Okay. So still kind of info products and most of them so far digital. The Second City training, that was kind of a live event team training? Correct. Based yeah. on improv? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
So what I'm what I'm hearing, I think a couple important things from Brendan. You know, first, you know, the first thing that Brendan mentioned was, okay, here's this corporate training opportunity or this, you know, this sub niche in kind of this customer acquisition retention, right? Where Dave, you first said, well. I want to help anybody who deals with customers. Like that makes it almost impossible to do prospecting because that's like every business ever, right? Sure. Yeah. Narrowing <laughs> <laughs> it down, I think, is a great first start. And then Brendan mentioned, okay, like how are you going to figure out who to talk to or even like be strategic about trying to get your foot in the door with these certain companies and do and try and generate some warm referrals or even even like who to send a cold pitch to. Like, hey, this is this is me, this is what I do, this is, you know, who I've helped in the past kind of thing. So, Brenda, would you start mining LinkedIn for like common connections or like how would you go about that? Yeah, I would use I would use LinkedIn. I mean, there's also probably some really good lists that people have put together on blogs or or even larger online outlets for, you know, the top five people in Cook County who train on this or the top five leadership presenters that talk about this. Because, you know, you could do a Google search and and be flipping through for days and days and days. But some of those high ranking folks, once you get a couple pages deep, maybe their business is closed five years ago. (laughs) So, you know, you can start with LinkedIn then you can hop over to Google and now you're looking for a way to contact them, whether it's their office and they're close by and you can pop in and, Hey, I'm David and this is who I am and this is what I do. Or you can send them a cold email or you can call them on the phone. Sometimes the phone number will be really easy to get where the email is going to be buried because they've received a good amount of unsolicited pitches already. And they're trying to, to calm that white noise or the clutter. Another way is reaching out again to your network. Some of these folks that you've worked with in the past, hey, my schedule is opening up for the next quarter. I'm looking to add X number of projects. Do you have anybody who's coming out with similar product launches or similar summit launches that maybe it would be a good idea for us to talk to? Have you tried that yet, David? No, not in that particular wording. I think makes it more concise. So yeah, I definitely want to try that. What's been your outreach to your network so far? Just kind of let them know, hey, my schedule's open. Is there anything I can do for you? Circling around to like what we've done in the past. And I don't think I've tapped that door. Do you know anyone who is doing X, Y, or Z? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't presented them like, because like you said, you ask for a referral. If you put it just, you know, anyone, it's hard for them to narrow down their mind. But I haven't presented it like anybody else doing launches or summits or anything like that just to kind of help help them help me. Yeah. Also, do you have any content out on this stuff yet? These kinds of services or the projects that you've done so far? No, no, I don't. So there's kind of twofold reasons why. One, I just like to show that it's possible to do this without a website or any content background. But I'm also need to mm-hmm. get to the point of, of creating that content. Mm-hmm. And so as you can see during this conversation, I'm still in the point of fine tuning my offering. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really put together a like a placeholder of this is what I do and this is how I do it because I'm still trying to find that my foothold, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I would almost I, I'm I'm kind of right there with you where a lot of even in the industry that I've been working in since 2012, civil engineering, construction, geotechnical construction, 
it's hard to tell somebody what you're going to do for them until you've entered that discovery phase. So I, I try to avoid being completely pigeonholed into one scope of service or one process for every situation because in in some circumstances it makes sense for a three step process in some circumstances it makes sense for a ten step process it just it's all dependent on the circumstance the client finds themselves in and the goals that they're trying to accomplish but at the same time some example of what you're doing and I'm not saying you should be producing a piece of content every day or every week but maybe you know for LinkedIn articles to kind of showcase the work that you've done already might be four nice links that you can refer to people so that it's one thing for them to hear you pitch it to them via email or over the phone or over drinks. It's it's another for them to then internalize that and then turn to a written piece of content and see it formatted a little bit differently. And then they start picking out little nuggets that You've already verbalized to them, but really haven't struck a chord until they've read it. You know those pe- those forms of communication, the spoken word, the email, the written content. You know you can start stacking onto it after that, but it would give you a little bit of a base. And I'm not talking about getting into really heavy content marketing until you have time for that. Obviously, so I'm not even saying build a website. I'm saying two, three, four LinkedIn Pulse articles just to explain to people or show give them an example because it's hard to take away from a quick conversation because oftentimes when we're in those one-on-one quick conversations with a new prospect and we don't have a specific project to talk about, a lot of the conversation is buzzwords (laughs) rather than concrete understanding of what's actually going down and what you're actually providing to the client. So if they can see the bigger picture of, oh, we started here, they were having this issue, we took these steps and we accomplished this, it starts to fit together even though it's already been explained to them two other ways, two, three, four other ways. And that's part of the challenge. And I'm sure you've experienced this in sales before. Everybody internalizes the same messaging a little bit differently. And so as much as you want to be nuanced in your approach and use the best practices, sales and marketing are still very much a numbers game and a testing game. So you have to test and gauge people's reaction. So that might be a good idea. It might also supplement... It, again, it would supplement your outreach too. If you're sending cold emails to prospects you've self-identified or just emails to people in your network who would love to help you, they just don't know how to help you because they don't know who you would match with. Right. Giving them examples, whether they see it in their LinkedIn feed, which they may or may not <laughs> because of recent updates, you, know, you can send that to them in your in a personal email. Hey man, just put this thing up. I know we had this conversation about what I'm doing lately. Thought this might give you a, a better, more concrete understanding of it. Would love you to take a look at it. You know, A couple of days later, hey, did you get a chance to read what you think? As they respond to it, engage in a conversation. Don't just pitch, 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 pitch. Give them one little thing to respond to. Hey, did you get a chance to read it? Oh yeah, what did you think? And let that conversation transpire rather than going in and trying to sell something. Brendan, what would you put in that initial message so that it's not pitchy? To a cold prospect or to somebody in my network? Let's say to a cold prospect. So to a cold prospect. Like with the goal of just just starting this conversation. If I have a prospect that I've identified and maybe they're another 
so you're you're working in in Chicago. So you got Second City there. Well, there's an improv in Schaumburg. So that's another big club, but there's probably another dozen smaller clubs who have similar business models. I'd identify all of those folks and say, I realize you guys are offering different programs during the day, anything from classes to to corporate trainings using the fundamentals of improv, whatever the phrasing might be. I just did this project with Second City. Thought you might be interested in how we went from A, whatever the first situation was, to B, the outcome. Can I send you the link? Kind of the the Neil Patel strategy. And then if I don't hear anything back from them, in a couple of days I'm gonna follow up. You know, because what I found is that I get like five to ten percent response to something like that when I'm sharing content to start a conversation. And I get another five percent of that list to respond on the second touch. Because the first time it's a spam email, (laughs) even if it doesn't have a link in it, and the second time it's Oh, this guy really did take the time to to write me, you know, and so all of a sudden you have a little bit more credibility because you're not a robot. Dave, I want to throw out an idea and get your reaction on it that may be a better fit for kind of your current network and kind of like the online stuff that you that you've done in the past. I'm wondering if there's an opportunity to position yourself as the as the churn guy, as the churn expert, right? So you said customer acquisition and retention, right? Mm-hmm. For SaaS companies, for membership models, right? This is really, I mean, this is the holy grail of, of business, right? If I get somebody paying month after month after month, like that's a beautiful thing. But I guess the silent killer of all these businesses is the churn, right? Like how many, what percentage of people are falling off the wagon every month or every quarter? And that is something that has a clear ROI where it's like, okay, if I can get the case study or if I can prove to such and such business owner, like, look, we can keep people on twice as long or 30% longer. Like, what's that worth to you on your bottom line across your whole membership role or across your whole customer base? And I don't know that anybody is, I'm sure there are people out there doing that, but I, I have yet to see somebody who like really nailed down and said, okay, like I am the expert in reducing churn for either SaaS companies or paid membership sites. Do you have any numbers that would lend themselves to telling that story? No, but I can find some people who would help me get them numbers. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, that would pivot away from these brick and mortar businesses of the improv clubs to people who are solely doing info products online, people who are doing the summits, who are selling subscription-based info products. Is that kind of the launches that you've been involved with, the subscription models? They weren't subscription models. They were one-time products. And that's kind of how I like I pivoted my way into doing the work that I did was just, hey, let me see if this is an opportunity for me and you. So I kind of did the work for free. So I'm pretty sure if I reach out again to my network and just say, hey, I have some ideas. I want to do some free work, build a case study. Uh, I might be able to find someone to work with in that case and then use that to then pivot into a paying gig with other companies if or with that one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of people who would love to work with you, <laughs> work with you for free if you can communicate to them that you know it's not going to be a time suck on their end, but they're actually going to get something from it. My concern is always, are they going to be a complete time suck for you, <laughs> and are they actually going, you know, if they're not paying for it, are they going to actually implement what you're suggesting or or dismiss it because they didn't pay for it? Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, you could even do something on a on a performance basis. You're like, look, if I can cut your churn in half, what would that be worth to you, right? And be like, okay, if we can, there you uh, go. Just, you know, because that sets it up so it's like a lower risk thing. Hey, we're just going to implement some things during your onboarding process. We're going to do some things to like 
you know, recapture some people who might not be as engaged. I don't know what that business like actually looks like from a, you know, a, a tactical level, but I don't know. I, <laughs> it came to me. So I'm like, I'm kind of excited about it. Honestly, the more that we talk about it, the more I'm thinking that might that might be your lowest hanging fruit is web-based businesses, people who are considering subscription models and folks that are less than five people in the whole organization because they're going to be easier to access via digital means, phone, email, LinkedIn to start that dialogue. But again, I I really think that having content is going to and again not we're not talking about creating a whole content strategy but just a couple of pieces of content that you can refer to in your ps line of a cold email or that you can ask if they'd be interested in reading and then once you've sent them the link you can follow up and and continue the conversation being able to tell a story like that for the the right prospect might lower their defenses just enough to ask you hey, how much would something like this cost to do in this circumstance? And then you've achieved <laughs> you know, the ultimate goal of, of cold prospecting is getting somebody's permission to sell. They're asking you for a price. Now it is okay to pitch. Yes, $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than telling somebody in a cold email, hey, I do this and I can, I can increase your profit by X by decreasing your churn by Y, you know, unless you've actually jumped into a conversation and pulled back the layers of their circumstance, you don't know that. So those promises mean nothing and they know that. (laughs) Uh, You could even start with the companies that you use or have used in the past and be like, well, you know, based on my experience with your product or service, like here are three things that you could do to to reduce your churn and then it's like it starts the conversation and then it's like well how much would it be for you just to like implement that stuff for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely i mean would i find the best way to start a conversation and ultimately win somebody's permission to sell to them is through questions is through genuine interest in their circumstance and part of prospecting is is market research i mean you may learn something in in a good solid week of prospecting that pivots your business 180 degrees because you've actually been out in the market conversing with people not just people within your network who think you're on the right track but people who are actually your ideal persona. There's a different value in the market research you do with your friends and family compared to the market research you do with people who might legitimately pay you. But jumping into those those conversations, asking questions about their business or about their circumstance, people love talking about themselves. That's valuable information to you. It's also it, it would help you scope your service so you know what to pitch them when they finally do give you permission to sell and how to approach that pitch or that that form of persuasion because everybody's going to need to hear different things to see the same type of value that you ultimately bring to the market. Well, yeah, let's pause there. Dave, what's, what's your reaction on, on all this stuff? Would, do you have an idea of next steps or what's, where, where are you at? One thing is that it, it sounds like mind blown. That's, that's <laughs> how I feel right now. <laughs> I think you guys just changed the direction of everything for the better. No, I love the idea of it because it's kind of like what you're saying, Brendan, is that you have to position it in a way that people receive it. And saying that I'm the churn guy for SaaS and membership sites is a great way for them to receive what I do. But it still lets me do all the work that's dealing around customer experience and retention and community development and market research. Like that's a good package to present it in a way that they're able to receive it. So I love that 
and I know the next steps will then again be able to I have a couple of people that are actually in the membership and SaaS model to reach out to. And then that also gives me a good base of people to just research in general. And then I send some code outreach emails just to get on a phone and have that discovery phase. So I could then develop that one to many messaging from actually have some one on one conversations. Okay. Well, cool. Maybe maybe we'll wrap it here and maybe we'll do a follow-up. Maybe we'll circle back in a couple months and see see what happens, see where you're at and see if we got that, you know, maybe a case study or two under our belt, maybe a customer or two under our belt and see what happens from there. Brendan, I appreciate your insights on this. Thank you so much for, for lending your, your sales expertise. And Dave, appreciate you volunteering to be the, the guinea pig for, for this conversation. So very cool, guys. And we'll have to circle back and see where, where Dave is at with this one. Thanks so much. And we'll, uh, we'll catch up soon. Take care. All right. My top takeaways from this chat with David and Brendan. Number one, niche, please. Targeting membership uh, site owners might not be the business that David ends up with. But at least for right now, it gives him a concrete group of business owners he knows or at least knows of, or you can probably name half a dozen or, or even more off the top of his head to start that conversation with and seek referrals to instead of saying, hey, I, I want to help businesses that deal with customers. Well, that's everybody. It took us a while to get there, but I think that might align a little bit better with his background, his interests, and his network. I call that the intersection model of coming up with business ideas, basically creating lists of what you know how to do, what you like to do, and who you know, and most probably more importantly, like who you know knows, if that's a way to say it, um, to see if there are any potential intersections there on what you might be able to offer to a specific type of customer. So takeaway, uh, that was takeaway number one, niche, please. Takeaway number two uh, is to be proactive. So we actually lost Brendan's recording at the end of the call, but he gave Dave the homework assignment of making five proactive pitches or conversation starters a week for four weeks. And that was the whole accountability segment of the coaching call that I totally blanked on, but thankfully Brendan remembered. It's, it's really similar to the numbers game strategy that Jim Brown laid out in last week's episode, but these are going to be critical. This is 20 different business owners and hopefully will be the start of some deeper conversations about their expensive problems. And takeaway number three is to prove your worth. So we talked about performance-based pricing a little bit, which I think could actually be an interesting way to sell a churn reduction service. But I think the next step is getting a client or two, implementing some of these ideas, and then seeing the results. Depending on how big uh, the membership base is, the ROI on that could be huge. And we're talking about smaller scale stuff right now. But if this is a code that Dave can crack, given his decade of experience in, in customer support, customer service, the market goes all the way up to services like Netflix, like Amazon Prime, like Birchbox and Trunk Club and, and SaaS companies like Lead Pages and FreshBooks. But first things first, you know, validate the need, get a customer, improve your worth. So what would you do in Dave's shoes? Did we, did we lead him down the right path? Let me know what you think in the comments for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash 234. And if you want to connect with Brendan, you can find him at startinphx, startinphoenix.com, except with phx instead of spelled out phoenix. Um, let me know what you think about this episode. See if you'd like to hear if we should do a follow-up. We want to hear where, where Dave's at in a month or two and see if he's uh, managed to get any business uh, with this niche down service offering. But that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of The Side Hustle Show, where you'll meet a guy who turned his unique expertise in the nonprofit world into a surprising and pretty substantial side hustle. I'll see you then. Hustle on. 
Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.